Shout out to all the social workers listening. You are appreciated, probably underpaid, but a necessity to fighting the good fight. You're also a growing population. According to BLS.gov, there are roughly 715,000 social workers in the U.S., with the amount expected to increase by 12% by 2030, which is higher than the 8% growth of all other occupations. So Jane Addams is considered the founding woman of modern social work in the United States. She and Ellen Gates were the founders of the Hull House in Chicago in 1889, which is the most famous settlement house. And so a settlement house can loosely be compared to a community center, like community resource center by today's standards. Social workers not only work with children and families, and a total side note, not all CPS or DCF workers are social workers. They also work with people who identify as LGBTQ people who are homeless, people who have low socioeconomic status, people with mental health difficulties and substance use and addictions, people who are incarcerated, the elderly, and immigrants, to name a few. 36 states have title protection for social workers. What does that mean? The definition varies by state, but it comes down to a person is not allowed to call himself a social worker unless he or she holds an MSW or is licensed. Some states do allow BSWs to call themselves social workers. The reason this is so important is that other occupations were using the term social worker when the education, ethics, and training were not required. The time is right for social work. That is the theme of Social Work Month which is the month of March. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. You don't sound very good. (laughs) Good morning. We should be excited because we're together. So excited. (laughs) Hi from Cabo. We're recording this a couple days early so we could actually record in the same location. Yes. Exciting for you guys. That's the excited <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> I've been in the sun all day. I'm sleepy. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so we have quite a few well, stories. And oh, I'm Ingrid. And this is another situation. If you haven't listened to any of our episodes before, this is a podcast on stories and right now we are focusing on different or a variety of themes of uh, monthly observance observances <laughs> and one of the themes for the month of march is social work so it jessica social work month so i got a couple stories it's like uh, situations about five or six of them um some were taken from a news article I found and others were some from some personal stories because I happen to know quite a bit of social workers. So uh, do you want to start with a not so nice one or nice ones? You, you mean like scary? No, not scary. Like, mean? No. <laughs> that, that's the opposite of not nice. <laughs> one is sad and the rest are happy. How about that? And how many do you have? Uh, I think four, six, five, something like that. In between four and six, I can't remember. I have it written down. And how many sad ones? One. So let's do three happy, one sad, one happy. Okay. All right. So the Guardian had stories of social workers. It was from 2015. And the article, um, name of the article was The Social Worker Who Changed My Life. 
I'm not going to do all six, but I will do some of them. And just so you know, these are based out of the UK. Two of the participants had been exposed to social social workers when they entered the social services system. Both went into foster care system as children because of the abuse or neglect they were getting at home. So the first one was exposed to social workers throughout his process of getting into the social services system. One was there when he was trying to leave home because his mom was being abusive and neglectful. It didn't actually specify. So his mom was sitting there telling lies about him to social services. And he was getting so frustrated as this poor little kid sitting there. And he was trying to say that his mom was lying. And then all of a sudden he looked over at the social worker who actually happened to be his brother's social worker and not his. And she gave him a smile. And that smile, that single smile from that social worker gave him total hope and faith that the service was actually going to believe him and not believe his mom and all the lies his mom was sharing. Is it normal for siblings to have two different social workers? I have no idea. Okay. This is in the UK, so I have no idea how their system works. So that was one um, experience he had while he was growing up. And the other one, apparently in the UK, they give you a bunch of certificates. Instead of like one big high school diploma, they give you certificates for each, like math, science, English. Okay. So he had lost, and they're called general certificates of secondary education, and he had lost all of them because he moved around so much, like from foster home to foster home. And so one of his social workers got copies from all of his schools and he put them in frames and gave it to him. I know. So sweet. Like that's way above and beyond. And the third social worker, which he interacted with, he said that this one was the most important, had the most impact on him. Because when you leave the foster care system, you're pretty much on your own. Like once you turn 18, like no one cares anymore. You're just an adult and trying to navigate the world without parents. And so um, the one that he had when he left the service was um, the most helpful because this person, um, (laughs) it actually, why didn't I didn't write that part down? Um, he gave, he let him know what his rights were and let him know that, um, everything that he had, like the benefits that were available to him because he was graduating out of the foster care system. And he said how important it was because like I said, no one else was there for him. Wow. So the second uh, woman who talked in this article, same thing. She was in the foster care system. Um, she said that when she was a preteen and young teen, she would run away from home and her social worker would literally drive all around London looking for her and bring her back only to have her run away again. She equated her relationship with her social workers to parents where like you get super angry and hate each other. And then you forget it all because you totally need them and you need their help. So, uh, another, that was one thing that she said, like, who's going to do that? You know, who's actually going to go try to get this kid that runs away and keeps trying to run away and then bring her back just for her to do it all over again. Mm. You know, it's like it almost is like the love of a parent, but it's someone who is not a parent. And she also said she was lucky enough because she had the same social workers for all for seven years. The third person, uh, she dealt with a social worker when her mom was dementia was getting worse and she was no longer able to care for herself. She said that this person helped her find a plan to fit what her mom needed. And her mom was like very anti, I don't want to go in a home. I want to live independently. I want to stay in my own house. And so the daughter knew that this was not in the best interest of her mom. So they found ways to work with the mom to help the mom feel like she still had her independence and didn't view her daughter as being like the bad person of trying to, 
you know, take away her independence. So, and then um, the same daughter said that she would call the, the social worker uh, throughout this process and that she gave her the space and the emotional support to be able to find a residential home for her mom. And she said that she would listen and be supportive to what she needed. And she appreciated that her and her family were treated like humans and not just people in a system. So she was there for the whole entire family. And you know how hard it's got to be to put your parents in a home, mm-hmm. you know, like you got to feel a little bit of guilt. And so this, this person allowed the daughter to know that it's okay to do it. Um, oh, I guess I only had three. Okay, so that was the three good ones. Like, yay, happy feelings. I was going to say, you're going to end with a sad one. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, so I'm just going to read this one, and hopefully it's not too boring to listen to. So this one is actually from the social worker's point of view, and so the names are obviously not the correct names to protect confidentiality. So this helps paint a picture of some of the trage- tragedies that happen in this line of work. And this one is heartbreaking, but we wouldn't hold true to our podcast if we didn't try to make you cry. We'll make you cry. Or make me cry more more accurately. I just need to, I, I need to ask our listeners if anyone has counted the number of episodes. It's not necessary. <laughs> that Jessica <laughs> has actually cried in or has said a, oh, I'm tearing up. <laughs> Because this is what episode number thirteen, I think so. You, you guys don't need to cry, or you guys don't need to count. <laughs> I, Anyways, no, Mike, I, I'm not letting this drop. I think <laughs> trying to move past. I it. think there's eleven. Sure, That's, that would be my guess. Sure. Dude, I think I'm right. I no, because I think no, no, you might be right. Okay. <laughs> No one cares. Stop. I don't care. It's fine. It's okay to cry. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Okay. So, uh, I say so, 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 so. All right. The client's name was Dan. He came in seeking services because he was having thoughts of suicide. Dan's life looked great on the surface. He was recently engaged and had a job opportunity opportunity in Japan that him and his fiance were looking forward to. Dan said his mom was his biggest support, and even though she didn't live near him locally, he would talk to her almost every day. Dan came into his first session with his social worker, appearing open and talkative. During the session, him and his um, social worker created a safety plan, and a safety plan is a plan that you can use if you're having thoughts of suicide to help keep themselves safe in the moment, so you don't have to think, like, all the phone numbers are there, there's different activities that you can do, coping skills. Does it say why he's suicidal? Okay. People don't need a reason to be suicidal. Well, I didn't know if there was something that, like, nope. if this was an ongoing thing, nope. issue for him. Okay. No, no, no. Um, so one of the problems discussed was that Dan's plan to kill himself was a jump off of a bridge he drove over every day for work. The idea that him and his social worker came up with was for him to call his mom on his way home as he drives over the bridge to help distract and support him. So I left the session with a solid plan and a follow-up appointment three days later. So three days later in the, af- oh, in the morning, not the afternoon, the social worker received a call from Dan's supervisor asking if Dan was there because he wasn't at work yet. 
And uh, it says that Dan's supervisor was aware of his mental health concerns. It was super supportive of him. Dan even signed a release of information for his supervisor so that the social worker could talk freely to her. That's included for all my social work friends that might have been concerned about that. What? <laughs> the disclosing information to his supervisor. Okay, so release of information for the supervisor. And uh, the mm-hmm. social worker said, told her no, that, she, that he was not there and got off the phone. Dan also signed a release for his fiance. So the social worker called his fiance to see if she knew of Dan's whereabouts. His fiance said that he left for work at the usual time and nothing seemed out of the ordinary. The day went on and the social worker anticipated one o'clock when Dan's appointment was scheduled. During her lunch, she received a call from Dan's supervisor that his car had been found parked near that bridge with a goodbye note in it. It appeared as if Dan had jumped off the bridge. Oh, goodness. Sorry. Uh, after <clears throat> after days of searching the water below for him, the police ruled his disappearance as a suicide. The pain and regret the social worker felt after the interaction caused her to lose faith. She doubted her, her abilities as a social worker. She wondered if all this quote-unquote help she was trying to give even made a difference in anyone's life because she couldn't save that one. The organization she worked for did an internal investigation to see if there was any concerns or negligence in the case. The results were that she did everything ethically and appropriately. That news didn't alleviate any of the doubt she was now feeling. Someone died on her watch. Someone was, she was supposed to help. That responsibility is a heavy burden to bear. She continued doing therapy despite her doubts and was able to find that fine line of healing and knowing that she had tried. She tried her best to help him and she will continue trying her best to help others because to her, it was better to try to help than to stand aside and do nothing. Oh, that one made my eyes that water. Sad. That's so sad. And poor fiance and mom too. Yeah. Um, okay. So the last one, <laughs> thankfully you have a happy one. Is it, happy? It's, I mean, it's a sad situation, but it's a, Someone's grateful, I guess. So the next situation focuses on the client and the different roles social workers had in her life. And this is written from her point of view. So I was, so when I say I, it's it's her, it's not me. You're rubbing your leg and it's it's the sound that you don't like it when mom does. (laughs) Okay. Fine. (laughs) I was having a very difficult time. I was sexually assaulted by a former coworker and it was going to trial. The entire process was painful. The investigators had to talk to my friends, my coworkers, and dig into parts of my life that I didn't want to be exposed. The entire process from reporting to trial was almost two years. During this time, I had the help of two social workers who literally changed my life. One of them was, was my victim advocate who had her degree in social work. She was there for me whenever I needed it. She helped facilitate meetings between me and my lawyer and attended every session with me to give me support. When my case went to trial, she was there for every minute of it, holding my hand as I got to listen to other people's opinions of me. To say she was a godsend is an understatement. She gave me the kind of support that my friends and family couldn't. So that was one social worker in her life. The other social worker in my life was my counselor. I cannot say enough about her. We didn't talk about my trial or assault at every session, although we did process it. She helped me realize how my sexual assault was impacting me and how I interacted with others. My entire life felt like it was falling down around me. 
but she listened and I learned coping skills and methods to identify my personal triggers. I knew, I know she wasn't my best friend because of the whole professional, professional boundary thing, but she truly felt like one. I knew I could tell her anything and she would never judge me or think less of me. All she did was listen and reflect on the things I had said. She helped me find my power again and take back the part of me that I thought I was lost. When my trial was over, we talked about how it felt to lose the case. Oh, that just hurts my heart. Wait, she lost the case? She lost the case. Oh, God, that hurts my heart. I couldn't believe I had lost. Unfortunately, oh, God, that hurts my heart. Unfortunately, there wasn't enough evidence. And in the he said, she said game, he said it was stronger than she said. My social worker stood by me and reminded me of the true person I am and that a verdict does not negate what happened to me. I had to move away to get a fresh start, but I left her with these words of gratitude. Thank you for all the time you spent with me. I don't think you understand the difference that you've made in my life and the person that you've helped me become. Thank you for making me a stronger woman and knowing that my voice matters. Ooh. <laughs> I have a question about that one. Sure. <clears throat> so was she like her counselor or was she appointed to her because of the trial? Counselor. There was a victim advocate who was with her to go through the sexual assault and trial. And okay. then she had an actual counselor. Okay. And so this, um, to sum it up, this is actually probably a pretty short episode. Uh, this came from the article, the three most influential social workers alive today by Brenda Rufiner. The practice of social work focuses on more than day-to-day -day patient assessment. Today's social workers are advocates, community developers, and human rights activists. The social work profession is committed to social justice. Social workers fight for oppressed communities and marginalized individuals, often forgot about by society. I have a social work story. What? So yesterday, we took a hike. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called? Um, it was a hike up Mount Solmar. Oh, is that? <laughs> I don't pay attention. To that was things. the name of the mountain we hiked up. <laughs> so it was it was really fun. If you guys are ever in Cabo, you need to do this. It's a hike with um, a man named Enrique. And his 20 dogs. And his 40 dogs. <laughs> 60. <laughs> <laughs> there were 10,000 dogs. <laughs> And it's it's free. There are no waivers or anything that you sign. He just does this, and you you tip him at the end. But he takes you up this nice walk <laughs> to kind of one landing, and he gives you some education on the area and the history, mm -hmm. which I don't know what I was thinking about instead. You paid attention. I did. It was really cool. At one point, I looked at Jessica, and I said, what are you guys laughing at? I wasn't paying attention. And do you remember what it was? He was talking about how he's trying to convince people to live in the moment because up in the, he said in the Tropic of Cancer, people don't pay attention and you can only hold their attention for five seconds <laughs> and then the thought will go away. And I lasted negative five seconds. <laughs> His whole point was to live in the moment. Like he gave a beautiful speech on mindfulness. I think I was actually living in the moment and not paying attention to what he was saying. I was looking around at everything. It was quite beautiful. It was. But the second half of the hike, oh, so good Lord. It's, it's described as a moderate hike, and there may be some, what did it say, like clamoring around, or... I can't remember the terminology. There was something, it sounded like... It's on TripAdvisor, if you want to look at it. It sounded like, okay, you might have to work a little bit, but 
not too terrible. Well, it was not terrible, but it was where you had to actually, you were, we were climbing up rocks. You had to find finger holes and toe holes to climb up some of the rocks. And pull yourself up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, I mean, no need to have, like, safety equipment or anything on. No. But I was ahead of Jessica, and behind Jessica was a woman who apparently has, has not had, has major anxiety. Over heights. Over heights. And she was freaking out. And she probably couldn't have been behind a better person (laughs) because Jessica was talking to her and encouraging her and sharing her own fear of heights with this woman. So much so that the woman started calling Jessica her friend and (laughs) her security, her security blanket. (laughs) Her her husband was there. She wasn't alone. Her husband was behind her. And he, I think he was a bit annoyed with He her. was a bit annoyed. He was not her security. <laughs> he was not. He may have been the source of the anxiety. <laughs> but anyway, she did make it to the top. And I was telling Jessica that she did a really good job social working. <laughs> I didn't see, and what's crazy, I didn't see it as social working. I just saw it as being nice to another human being that was going through a really hard time. I 100% saw it as social working because <laughs> I don't think I would have been saying the same things. I actually worried about her on the way down because we went down first and she was still up there. I actually really worried about her, too. I don't think she would have done well going down. I'm sure she made it down. She can't still be so up there. So, again, and, well, <laughs> <laughs> he left a dog up there. True. Uh, if you guys do the hike, be be aware that the way down is, it is easier than up, but it's still not an easy traverse. Is that a word? Yes. Down. And so I think the heart of social work is that you try to make someone feel heard, supported, and validated. And just treat other people. It's almost like the golden golden rule. Treat other people like you want to be treated. If you're having a hard time in something, you don't want someone to tell you just suck it up and move on because that doesn't always work. Well, there you go. All of you may henceforth go forward and be a social worker. You have your honorary masters of social work now. Congratulations. At a fraction of the cost. Zero cost. We, You're not going to charge them? Nope, for free. Y'all get it for free. That's nice. You just have to listen to the next five episodes. And we'll be watching. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our episode on social work. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Thank you guys for listening. We're having fun. I mean, we're having fun because we're in Cabo. But we're also having fun doing this co- cod pass. <laughs> this is pre-drinks too by the way for me uh that's why i'm sleepy i had margaritas and sun Mm -hmm. (laughs) but thank you all for listening we have two more episodes for this month that are fun and exciting and we're starting to work on oh april so april this is a call out to all teachers If you know a kindergarten teacher, please have them message us their kindergartner stories, stories of kindergartners, what they've done, what they've said. Why kindergarten again? Well, because there's kindergarten day in April. Oh, okay. So we're hoping to make that one a really fun and cute episode. So... I know a few teachers, and I'm not going to call you out on this, but I will on the next one if we don't have any emails. 
or text messages or Instagram messages or Facebook messages or messages on our webpage. And also for April <laughs> Fool's Day, we're going to do a true or not fact or fiction. Or you can also call it fact and fiction. And uh, feel free if you have a story you want to submit to see an Oh, God, words. <laughs> words come to me. If you have stories that you would like to submit to us to read, if you want one of us to guess if it's fact or fiction, just in the subject line, put down Ingrid or Jessica, the person you want to read the story. And then the other person will have to guess if it's fact or fiction. Yes. What? I said situation. Oh, situation. <laughs> you didn't say anything. You just mouthed something and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> situation. Well, thanks again, everybody. We're going to go. Thanks for coming with us to Mexico. We're going to go have fun now. We are. Stay tuned on our our pages. Oh, no. You guys will have already seen these. <laughs> yes. We'll just delete that part. <laughs> Adios. Adios, amigos. If you'd like to reach out to us or submit your situation, please contact us at another situation podcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at another situation podcast. We're also on Facebook at another situation. Another situation is produced and edited by 0.5 Pinoy. Music is written and performed by Tim Crow. Another situation.